So Advent is this time that is set up for us to grow in our yearning for the coming of Christ, to practice waiting and good anticipation, also to grow in our virtue of hope. And then it also challenges us us to deeper repentance, that's why I'm wearing purple, deeper repentance and conversion, continually turning back to the Lord. It is a season that reminds us that this world is not the end, that one day Jesus will come again and he will make a new heaven and a new earth. Which means that this place is not our home. We are pilgrims on a journey. We have not yet arrived. The thing is, is that these things, and this, these sentiments and these, these things for us to contemplate, can easily get lost in the hustle and bustle of the preparation of Christ, for Christmas. That we get so focused on Christmas that I gotta get, do this, I gotta do this, I gotta go to this party, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get a present for this, I gotta get a present, do I get a present for this person, do I get a present for this person, I gotta get a present for this person, and I gotta, I gotta, do this. all of this, all of this stuff that just causes so much anxiety in us. And then we get so caught up in preparing for Christmas that we, 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 we forget what Advent is supposed to be, which is primarily an internal participation, an internal preparation. The external preparation, the lights, the trees, the meal planning, the, the purchasing of the gifts, the, the decoration of the house. Um, I don't know about y'all, but my mom loved to have everything Christmas. So we went to the Christmas towels and the Christmas mugs and the Christmas candles and the, all of that stuff is external. For me, I have a Lego Christmas village. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my little Christmas. Anyway, so all <laughs> a little bit about Father Kyle. Anyway, all of that is external. Right? But if we don't have the internal preparation for the coming of preparation for us to know and to celebrate that the God of the universe has become man, and that one day, since he has ascended into heaven, he will come back and change everything even more so than he already did the first time, then all of that other stuff is just show. No, it's, it's, it's just the surface. It's just the surface, right? But like a, like a glacier, <laughs> there's all this depth that can also be there. And so to help to bring depth, right, to help to, for us to, to have that interior preparation, I'm going to use an analogy. Now, I, I understand how ironic this analogy is, because last week I asked for you not to give me baked goods and sweets for Christmas. But I'm going to use an analogy on how to bake a cake. <laughs> and how that, that connects to our preparing for Christmas. So what, 
when you bake a cake, especially the way that cakes are baked nowadays, with all of, you know, there's like all of this done fancy, like, I don't know if you've seen that TV show, uh, Is It Cake? Uh, on Netflix, where uh, people make realistic cakes. It looks like a, it looks like a, a shoe, but it's actually a cake. Or it looks like a picnic basket with all of this stuff coming out of it. And then, you, and then he cuts it into it and it's a cake. Like, what? It's crazy, crazy stuff. But you, even you see these elaborate cakes that are being made with all of this decoration, like at a wedding. But you can't have all of that decoration, all of that, that icing and fondant and all of these other things if you don't have the actual cake itself. You can't put icing on nothing. You need to have the interior part for that exterior part to even work. Now you can, I wouldn't suggest eating fondant. Definitely you could eat icing, but you wouldn't call eating icing out of the jar cake. It would just be eating icing out of the jar, which culprit, totally done that. If you can't tell, you know. <laughs> right, so you need to bake the cake. But even when you bake the cake, when you put all the ingredients together, that sponge cake needs to be of a particular consistency to withhold all of the decoration on top of it. You're not going to cover an angel food cake because there's so much air in that cake, as soon as you put something on it, it's going to go, Ooh. it's going to go from a cake to a pie <laughs> uh, very quickly. You have to have it, it has to be a certain strength and certain consistency. And then you need to have the filling in between the layers of the cake to help to ensure that the cake doesn't move and stays in that space. And then after that, then you put the icing and the decoration and all of the things that make the, the cake really pretty and fancy. And this is what Advent is. Advent is like baking a cake. You gotta create the batter, which means that everything needs to be mixed up. It needs to be incorporated. You take these separate ingredients, flour and eggs and a little bit of water and some salt and some sugar, and you, you mix it together to create this batter Maybe a little baking powder if I didn't say that. And then after you have the batter and you let it prove, then you put it in the, in the oven and heat does this weird thing. Just by applying heat to these mixed ingredients together, that thing then rises and turns into this beautiful tasty cake. But you need to put it at the right temperature for the right length of time. If you underbake a cake, it's going to be doughy and nasty and not tasty. If you overbake a cake, it can collapse. So it needs to be done at exactly the right time. And while you're baking the cake, then you make the ingredients for the filling. Usually that's in a saucepan, and you're mixing sugar and maybe fruits or making a caramel sauce or whatever you want to do for that middle layer that needs to be prepared. And then after you have the cake, it's cooled. You cover that on top with the layers, get the layers on, and you might need to, to shape it in any way. It's then that the icing goes on it. So, 
here's how I turn that analogy then into our Advent. We must start by allowing the Lord to mix everything up. Because what happens is that the different parts of our life are different parts of our life. They're not integrated into one thing. You have, we have our life at work. We have our life at home. You have your life with your friends at the bar. You have your life at church. Right? And it's this and this and this. And all of them are not necessarily connected. They're not integrated. So what the Lord wants to do is he wants to bring all of that together in one. He wants to mix all of that up, right? And the way that he's going to do that, first is from us. We have to let go to let him do that. What do we let go of? Our attachment to our control of the future. There's this lie that we can engineer our future. That I can make happen what is going to happen. And we assert our will and we assert our understanding of the world into what might be. And we try to control everything in our lives. But y'all, that's not freedom, that's fear. That's the, that's, that's the trying to prevent bad things. But even when you try to prevent bad things, bad things still happen. Sort of like the skinny guy who has a heart attack. He runs every day, and you're like, okay, this skinny guy ain't going to have a heart attack because he's skinny. And he exercises, and his body's fit, and he has like the perfect blood, you know, but... He could have done everything right. Which also doesn't make sense when you have the smoker who smoked for 85 years and doesn't get cancer. Not fair, by the way. No, we can't prepare. But rather the Lord, through, our, um, through mixing all of this up, he says, I want, to, I want to take over. Why? Because he's God. Because he knows everything, and he knows what is for our best good. So let him lead. Let him lead. That requires, the, what he does then within us is that when we, we begin to do that, he then goes in there and pulls out all of our selfishness. And that mixing up, he brings all of this air, all this new life. And throws out, you know, all of the stuff that we don't need. Yeah, that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, we're going to not know what might happen. What is God going to ask me to do? He might ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Ah, crap. Ah, ah. Okay, water. That might be the funniest thing that's ever happened to me in a holiday. Okay. He got so excited, he's cramped. Okay. 
He might ask me to do something that I don't want to do. Okay, so let's, let's break that down real quickly. He's going to ask me to do something that I don't want to do. God, who is love itself, is going to ask me to do something and I don't want to do it. I think the problem isn't with what God is asking me to do. It's with me thinking that I don't want to do it. <laughs> but that's what he wants to do. He wants to mix up. Like, cause all of that ruckus to our selfishness and our pride. So we can recognize our interior and that it's a mess. Because we don't look at it. And then after he's got that all properly mixed in, then he puts the heat. He puts us in the oven. And that time in the oven is, is the waiting. Now, our culture does not like to wait. I don't know if you've ever been in a restaurant and you looked around while people are waiting for their food to arrive. They're, you know what they're not doing? Conversating. When you're in the doctor's office, when you're in any sort of line, right? We don't know what to do with waiting. We don't know what to do with that silence. Well, the Lord wants us to sit there in that, to not be afraid to be quiet. Because that's where the work is done, just by turning up the heat. What he does, when we wait, our desires are purified. That selfishness, again, he continues to let it leach out. And our desire is just for him, not just what he can do for me. God isn't what he can do for us. He deserves to be loved just because he is he. And also, in that waiting, our hope is redirected. See, the problem is, is that a lot of times our hope is connected to earthly things. Our country will change with a new president. I will tell you, it won't. Our country will still be messed up, whether a Republican or a Democrat is elected. Oh, the right quarterback will make the Saints work. Which is really weird because David Carr is a Catholic and I want to support him. <laughs> you know. Like, we put our hope in these earthly things. I, have, I get a new boss and, and everything will be better. No, that is not how it works. We put our hope in these earthly things, ideas. But they're all finite. What Advent does in that waiting, as we're just sitting there waiting, it turns our hope to what is to come. Which St. Saint, Saint John, in his, uh, in his letter, he says, Eye has not seen, and ear has not heard, 
what God will do for those who love them. It is beyond our imagining what the heavenly kingdom will be like. Y'all, we can imagine unicorns. We can imagine all sorts of crazy things. And it is beyond all of it. Imagine the weirdest thing. Like having an upside down swimming pool. I just, I just saw some brains just go, blue, what? Right? Like, the, it is beyond all of that. And that's what he desired. That's our end. That's our goal. And what Avon does is it helps to pull our head out from looking on earth to look up into the heavens. From whence shall come my help, as the psalm says. And that final thing, the filling, that binds all of this together after the cake has been baked and cooled, the filling is prayer. That's what's going to keep everything together. Now, when we think of prayer, we often think of prayer as intercessory prayer, which is good. Lord, I, I need help in this, I need help in this, I need help in this, my cousin needs help in this, my coworker, my neighbor, all of this stuff. Okay, Lord, I, I've given you, thank you, that was so good to just to pray to you and to, to offer this rosary for you, for these people. You have a good day. Prayer, the catechism says, is a conversation with God. Not a monologue. We don't just talk to him, but he desires to talk to us. But in order for him to talk to us, we have to give him the space to speak. But oftentimes we're like the extreme extrovert, the person who has the gift of gab, who just keeps talking and keeps talking and keeps talking. And God's like, uh -huh. okay, maybe if they stop at the, uh -huh. Nope, just not going to. And then, oh, that was a great conversation. And we walk away. No, so how do we listen to him? How do we enter into that dialogue? Well, he's already given us his word in the scriptures. And he speaks to us in his word all of the time. And so I invite you during this Advent to pick up your Bible, blow the dust off of it, and open it up and read it. Listen to what he has to say to you. And you might be thinking, Father, there are 73 books in the Bible, which I'm so happy that you know that there's 73 books in the Bible. No, okay. I was hoping that that old joke would land once, but it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Uh, I, which, by, which, where, where do I start? Well, I think for Advent, the perfect place to start is with the Gospel of Luke. And to, the, if you type in, send your Google, talk to send your Google and say, Gospel of Luke, Advent, and you can find like a, like a, a reading list of like which passages to go through the whole of the Gospel of Luke over the course of December. 
And when you sit and you read, sit and read and notice what's going on inside. What is the Lord saying to you? This isn't a Bible study. You aren't worrying about like the historical like significance of this, right? You aren't interpreting scripture to try to speak theologically about the two natures of Christ. Or what this has to do with, with church governance. You're listening to see where the Lord speaks to you. Now I'll also say that just like at the beginning of your life of dating your spouse, there was some miscommunication. You might, not, might have not understood your spouse in the best possible way, and it took a while for you to understand where they were coming from this, with this, or this weird thing that they had, and then you met their parents, and you're like, oh yeah, okay, now I understand. Well, the same sort of thing is going to happen when we open up the scriptures and we start to listen to the Lord. It's going to be awkward. There's going to be things that he's going to say that we're not going to understand because we don't know where he's coming from yet because we haven't yet spent enough time with him. So don't be afraid if when you pray with the scriptures, you finish praying it and you're like, I got nothing. That's okay. Just because you got nothing today doesn't mean you won't have nothing tomorrow. Or it could be that what, he's, what you're reading for that day isn't for you, but rather over the course of your day you're having a conversation with somebody else and they're, what they're experiencing is this scripture that then you can share with them. I saw that happen in real time. No, I, I didn't. I heard about it secondhand. But a friend uh, who was praying with scripture, and they're like, I don't think this is for me, because this doesn't hit. And then they started thinking about this couple, that they, friends of theirs that are getting married, and that's exactly what they needed. She shared it with them. Like, it wasn't for her, it was for them. But the more that we enter into that conversation, we know what the Lord is saying and, and how he is speaking. So I encourage you, dive into the scriptures. Listen to what he has to say to you. Because he has a lot to say. And then once we've done those three things, we've let him mix us up and pull out all that selfishness and that pride. When we have sat and waited, letting him purify our desires and directing our eyes up into hope of what will come. And when we have grown closer to him in relationship with him and, and listened to what he has to say, it is then that the icing and the decorations and, the, and the, all of the exterior things, all of these surface level things will be much more powerful. Where the nativity scene isn't just there because you're a Catholic, but rather you can look and, and pray with the shepherds who were surprised by encountering the God of the universe, by a choir of angels showing up. Or you can look at the tree and see it as an image of what will become the cross. Or that the lights are this beautiful image of the glory of God that we, we can't even try to comprehend, so we try to put it in these little tiny lights and hope that that will show how glorious God's second coming will be even though it will pair in comparison. 
Everything then becomes much more clear, and it's not just about what is show, but rather it is a celebration that God became man. So let's let ourselves be baked so that we can be a glorious cake before the Lord. Yes, I just said we're going to be cake. I'm going to end now because uh, that's, I feel like there would have been a better, anyway. Yeah.